This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Oh, come on now, guys. Are you still going out in the woods? This world is a strange one. Before mankind deforested thousands of square miles of land to create their civilizations, Mother Nature ruled. And let me tell you, Mother Nature is horrifying. I mean, there are some insanely creepy animals out there, many still undiscovered. There are tragic things that have happened in these forests, things that often play in a ghostly form of repeat. So, when you dare step foot into the woods that you see today, you're taking a gamble. Who knows what you'll see and who knows how long you'll even last out there. Enjoy these allegedly true stories of haunted forests. But first, I'd love to make a video on creepy happenings at the mall. So if you've got a story, be sure to send it to me at darknessprevails.org. Also, would you guys be interested in a Darkness Prevails loot box kind of thing? maybe a monthly movie and book club, let me know in the comments. Now, throw on your hiking gear and pack your tombstone. I don't think we'll be coming back. Number one, The Forest, submitted by Kaylin Alexander. I live just outside a small rural village in Ireland at the end of a short lane and across the road from my house is a forest planted by an old British landlord that lived in a huge house in the middle of the forest. The graves of the man and his family are still there in the woods today, and they date back to the 1800s. This forest has an extremely well-known reputation for being haunted in my small village. You see, when my older sister was around 13 or 14, her and a few of her friends decided to go for a walk to the end of my lane when they began to hear chanting coming from the forest as if a ritual was taking place, if that ritual had hundreds of participants. What makes this even creepier is that the forest apparently was used extremely often by a satanic group back in the day. They used to sacrifice children with blonde hair, or so they say. My sister's horse would never pass the graves in the forest and it'd be extremely spooked even going near them. My friend has told me he saw a dog-like figure run at the speed of light by him when he was walking through the forest one day to get to the local football pitch. Unfortunately, I'm here today to share one of my own stories from that very forest. It happened on Halloween last year when I was 14. Me and my two friends who we'll call Jim and Bob were doing what we usually do, hiding in the forest, drinking, trying our best not to be caught. When we were ready to go home, we began walking, but we were soon distracted by a loud bang coming from the forest. It was so sudden and loud that it startled us. We all stopped walking. We stayed still for a long while, but eventually we agreed it was nothing and we began to carry on our way. 
but only moments after we continued, a loud scream came from the forest, a scream like someone was being attacked. What was that? Jim shouted. Now we were scared, beyond scared. All of us except for Bob, who was more curious than scared. Let's go find it, Bob insisted. I agreed, and after two minutes of convincing, so did Jim. We ran into the center of the forest, directly towards the sound of the scream. We came across a hut made by my next door neighbor and his friend. We had been in this part of the forest before plenty of times, but that night, it felt different. It felt like we were being watched, like we weren't supposed to be there. I think all of us were finally a bit spooked at the same time, so we turned around and began to go back to the track. It wasn't until we were a fair bit away that I decided to tell Jim and Bob about the movement I saw and heard inside that hut. Bob also said he saw a pair of eyes peeping out from between the gaps of sticks. I'm not sure if he was telling the truth or if he even believed my story. Maybe he was just trying to scare us. We were almost back to the track now when I caught a glimpse of movement up ahead. It looked like a tall man wearing a long black coat. Did, did anyone see that? I asked. In silence, the others nodded and they beckoned me to be quiet. Jim then whispered, we should follow it. I thought this was a horrible idea, but when the other two took off running through the forest, I could only do the same. The moment we all took off, the figure also began to move. We finally found a small opening to cut through the track which we used, but once we got on the other side, there was nothing there. No trace of a person ever being there, not even footsteps in the relatively muddy ground. We all agreed to call it a day before we saw something else in those woods, so we made our way out of the forest as fast as we could, but not before we heard one last loud bang, followed by what this time sounded like a deep laugh, only instead of being from within the forest, it was coming from right behind us. Luckily for us, we were right beside the small opening which we used to get in and out of the forest. I still walk through the forest almost every day, but the bangs and screams and laughs, I've luckily never heard any of that again. Number two, Demon in the Woods, submitted by Jake. I'd like to start by saying that no matter how bizarre this story sounds, it actually happened to me. I grew up in Nova Scotia, Canada, and I moved to Ontario when I was seven years old with my father, mother, and younger brother. Every summer, we'd return to Nova Scotia to visit my grandparents and other family, all of whom are still there. My grandparents live on a hill with woods all around them, they have a big backyard before it reaches the tree line. Then it drops off about a five foot drop before it hits the trees and the shrubs. I'm 25 years old and this story happened just last summer. Now I enjoy hunting and fishing and I have plenty of background knowledge of the woods and how to survive, but I'm not overly happy when I'm in the woods alone or at night. It can be intimidating and creepy 
my friends have always considered me the rational and logical one. I don't usually subscribe to conspiracy theories or anything like that. I always strive for rational answers before anything. However, I've yet to find one for what I saw and experienced in the woods on my grandparents' property. When I'm down at my grandparents, I always volunteer to mow their grass on their sit-on lawnmower since they're older and it's a lot to mow. Well, one sunny afternoon, I got their lawnmower out and I began to mow around the edge of the property, making sure not to fall next to the drop and I was steadily working my way into the center to get finished. Whenever I mow, I always smoke a Captain Black cigar with a white plastic tip at the end because it helps me pass the time. By the end of the session, I usually go through two or three of them. When I finish one, I make sure it's butted out. Then I simply throw it into the drop off where the trees and shrubs are. As I am mowing, I finished one of the cigars and threw the tip into the woods, then kept mowing as usual. As I made another round on the lawnmower and I came back to the exact same spot, I noticed the plastic tip was now on the freshly mowed spot, the spot I'd just mowed a few minutes earlier. I stopped the mower and got off because I knew I threw that tip into the woods and it was the only cigar I'd had so far and nobody else smokes them in my family but me. I picked it up and sure enough, it was the same one I just threw in. It was still warm and I butted it out a certain way that the plastic tip was bent and split a little. And this one was the exact same. I went a few feet and looked at the drop off into the woods. And that's when I saw him, or it. There, standing about 20 feet away from me by a fallen tree, was a tall human-like creature. It had long arms and a thin slender body sunk over. But that wasn't what I noticed first. The face was blank. There were no eyes, no mouth, nothing, just flesh. It was dark in color. I couldn't make out if they were wearing a dark coat or if it was just part of its skin. I brushed my face to make sure I wasn't seeing things and that's when the creature let out a sound that I'd never heard any human or animal make. It wasn't coherent and so I couldn't make it out. Then. It ran at me, and before I could do anything, it was almost on me. Now, my grandparents are quite religious, and they kept a crucifix on literally everything, including on the dashboard of the lawnmower. I grabbed it to throw at the creature, as it was the only thing in my reach that was movable. When I picked it up and turned with it, the creature stopped dead in its tracks about five feet away from me and let out another scream. I didn't know how it was making that noise without a mouth. I held to the crucifix as tightly as I could, pushing it out in front of me. I looked at the creature and it seemed to be looking right through me. Even though it had no eyes, I could tell it wanted something, but I didn't know what. And then it spoke. I kid you not, this creature spoke to me. It said my name. Jake, why do you torment us so? It said in that horrible, twisted, sick voice, cocking its head like a curious dog. Then the creature turned and ran into the woods, leaving me in the grass holding the crucifix with my heart pounding out of my chest. As soon as I could gather myself, 
I ran into the house and told my grandfather what I saw, but what he said next sent a cold chill down my spine. He said to me, I was wondering when someone else was going to see him. That's why I keep all these crucifixes about. That thing is some sort of demon. He asked me if it came onto the property. I said no. He said that a priest came out and blessed this house and property, so that thing never came onto it after that. It had in the past, my grandfather said. I asked him why he never told us, and he said because he didn't think we'd believe him. He didn't want to talk about it anymore after that. The last thing he said was, demons exist, hell exists, but it's all different than people think. There's a terrible reality that exists outside of what people want to believe. We never talked about it after that, and needless to say, I stopped mowing their lawn. After experiencing all that, I still had trouble believing that it actually happened. I hate to say it, but nowadays, I'm a little wary of going back to my grandparents. Number three, the haunted walking trail, submitted by Robbie. This story is my father's. It was the night that the East Coast was hit by a blizzard in mid-March. My father and I take turns each night, taking my dog for a walk in the dense woods area of the local park. That night, it was my turn, but he just decided to take the dog anyway. I think he enjoyed the walks alone with the pup. Just for some context, we lived in a town slightly more rural suburb of a larger city in America. Plus, my dad is a big guy and can seem pretty intimidating, someone you'd think twice about fighting. Anyway, my dad gets in his car and drives to the secluded part of the park late into the night. At that time, the snow was getting pretty heavy, but they didn't mind. My dad and my dog love the snow, and my dog loves walks in the snow even more. When he arrives to the parking area, he sees a man leaning against the tree at the edge of the lot, rocking back and forth. It was a strange and kind of creepy sight, but my dad quickly dismissed it thinking that he must be walking a dog of his own and just taking a break. Maybe he was rocking like that repeatedly because he was trying to warm himself up. Anyway, for a while, nothing happens, but as he advances along the path in the woods, he notices a hooded man standing in the direct center of the path up ahead. He stops and looks at the silhouette of the man. He is motionless and doesn't speak and he doesn't see any breath coming from within his hood. Even though it was so cold, he could probably see the breath from a ladybug. Well, seeing no reason to make a fuss with this weirdo, my dad walks right by him and keeps on going, but he notes that the dog has her tail between her legs and head down when they pass by. Literally seconds after passing the strange figure, my dad turns around, but the path is now empty. There's no one there, not even a track in the snow. This doesn't make any sense because for the man to take off in that time, he would have made a lot of noise, his feet crunching snow under his weight, and there was nowhere to go on this path. At that stretch of it, there was only small brush and dead shrubs on each side, 
which would have made lots of noise if he were to jump into them or even pass by. At that point, my dad was very weirded out and he continued down the path a little quicker now, but only a few minutes later, he sees the same hooded figure running at him over his shoulder. Before he can spin around, the dog must have noticed first because she flips over at breakneck speed to put herself between my dad and the figure. She puffs up and begins growling deep and aggressively. She's a big enough dog that could snap any drugged up lunatic into a sensical mind. So the stranger stops dead in his tracks, then stretches his arms out in which the only way I can describe it is a T pose, the way it looks when an NPC is being designed in a video game. My dad and this man just stare at each other for a minute before he sidesteps away and continues walking. Now realizing the man must no longer have the intention to try anything against a big dude and a big dog like that. Instead, my dad is now thinking of how he's going to pass this man on the way back to the car. But when he reaches the spot where the man had been standing, again, he's no longer there. My dad curiously searches for his footprints to see where the madman ran off to, but he only finds confusion when he notices he left absolutely no trace of himself being there. You may be thinking the snow covered up his tracks. Well, that may be so. The thing is, my dad's old tracks, as well as the dogs, were still very much visible in the trail. My dad was certain this was the same spot because of a fallen tree nearby that can be used to mark it. Nothing else happened for the rest of the walk. My dad and the dog were both very nervous at that point and they tried to get off the trail as soon as possible. My dad is the type of man who rarely talks, the type of guy who doesn't crack jokes out of nowhere and doesn't even tell stories. So the night he came home telling me this tale, I believed him without a shadow of a doubt. I'm honestly glad it was my dad who experienced this, not me. I'm much smaller, much skinnier, much more vulnerable to someone who's trying to hurt me. To this day, I believe those woods are haunted and that what my dad saw was far from a man. Maybe they used to be a person, but they definitely aren't anymore. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, 
only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Number 4. I Saw Him Too. Submitted by Baba Yaga. At the time of this story, I was 17 and I lived in Texas. When this incident occurred, I was living in a small town by the name of Cleveland, Texas. Trails End was the name of the estate. It was a trailer park buried within the woods. It was a place easily overlooked, and I'm not quite sure how my mother's, I have two, even found it. Cleveland is approximately an hour and a half from Houston, but that's with my mother's erratic driving. They're both EMTs, and they often had 48-hour shifts. This left me, my sister, and my brother at home alone with two dogs quite often. There's a pit bull and a Doberman pincher, and my siblings and I had a chore of taking the dogs out every night before we went to bed. Having watched quite a few horror movies, what I was most deathly afraid of was werewolves. No matter how much I told myself they weren't real, I was still deathly afraid of them. So heading out at night was something I never desired to do. So out of fear, I told my 15-year-old petite sister and my 12-year-old brother to take them out for me. Even though I'm older and bigger and simply more capable of holding onto a Doberman's leash better than the both of them, in spite of that, I still was just too scared to go alone or at all. Now, our Doberman was a European warlock, bred to take down boar and bear alike. Her back reached about four foot two, and she weighed 160 pounds. She was a massive dog, capable of taking down anything, I thought, as we'd seen before. 
No joke, I watched her take a buck down by herself, leaping up and grabbing it by the neck and pulling it to the ground. It was quite a sight to behold. It was even funnier trying to explain it to the game warden. We had to explain that we weren't unleashing her to kill things, that she had gotten loose by accident. So that's why we had to walk her on a leash these days. We couldn't risk her being put down. For one, she was part of the family, and two, she was a $3,000 dog. Anyway, not even five minutes after sending my brother and sister outside, both of the dogs had pried themselves from my sibling's hand. Something that I knew would happen. It was my fault and I should have known better. My siblings came into the house crying. They were apologizing profusely. I, being the one that should have felt guilty, hushed them and asked them to accompany me to find the dogs. Their response was, of course, because none of us wanted to get in any trouble. We readied ourselves with extra leashes, flashlights, and our bikes. Well, their bikes. I didn't have one, so I'd be running that evening. We began our trek through the silent roads of our neighborhood. They explained that the dogs had run off into those woods. This was believable, as that's one of the only places they could head off to. The two of them parted ways with me. They would check the streets while I walked through the woods. I warily agreed. I wasn't fond of the idea, given the only thing popping into my head at the time was a werewolf, but I obliged, trying to rub out the thoughts of scary movies in my head. I'd rather confront my fears than face a month of grounding. So armed with a flashlight and my shoes, I walked. There were fresh dog tracks, and they looked like they were large enough to be my Dobermans, so I pressed forward. As I traveled deeper into the woods, the more I relaxed, Despite the occasional shuffle of leaves in front of me, everything seemed calm. Whatever was making the noise could have only been one or both of our dogs, so I didn't worry about it. When I listened closer, it sounded like an animal on all fours, and this eased my mind a little, considering the fake things I was scared of usually walked on two legs. But then the pattern stopped. I called out the dogs' names. I called out Storm, my Doberman, and moments later, I heard the shuffle of leaves as the animal ran away from me. Dang it, I whispered. Then I ran after her, calling out her name. I had no idea how far I was into the forest at this point, and frankly, I didn't care. Not until I stumbled upon a shack. It was a disheveled, run-down thing. There was a single window by the door that had been shattered, and the wood was very obviously rotting, snapped and scraped away. Though it sounds like a bad idea, I switched off my flashlight. If there was anyone inside the shack, I didn't want to draw their attention to me. Hypocritical, I suppose, considering the next part. I don't know what compelled me to do so, but I reached for the doorknob of the shed. I twisted it and heard a click confirming that it was unlocked. I slowly entered, cautiously, finding newspapers scattered about some as old as 1962, all the way up to 2013. I cocked my head curiously and reached for one of the papers. It listed comics, missing people, and available occupations. Just the boring, typical stuff. Then it happened. I heard footsteps outside the shack, drawing closer, and they didn't sound like an animal's. They came in twos, heavy twos. It was the telltale step, step, step of a person. 
The only difference here was they sounded like they wanted to be heard. I dropped the paper immediately and I could feel my knees begin to buckle in fear. Faith, is that you? I heard a familiar voice and I sighed in relief. It was just my little brother. They addressed me by my middle name. Are you there? My sister's voice chimed in. I wanted to speak out, but something felt wrong about the situation. I couldn't tell if it was my paranoia or if something was actually very, very wrong. My brother spoke again. Faith, did you find Stormy? Again, I felt a wash of relief once more. It was my brother. He always addressed Storm by her, though short, elongated name, always calling her Stormy. No, I answered, though I think she's stalking around somewhere out there. Come out here, let's look for her together. Alexis began again. However, there was an eerie neutrality to her voice. She didn't sound like herself. It could have been due to the cold, but I just didn't trust it. Uh, just a moment, I leaned up cautiously and peered out through the window. There was only one singular silhouette, much too tall to be my sister and far too tall to be my brother. It was far taller than my mother's as well. Maria. The thing said my name and his voice was far deeper now. It was definitely nobody that I knew. If it was somehow my brother, it was like he chose to hit puberty in that instance, but he would never have called me by my first name. Then it said something else. You'd better get out of here, now. I winced at the tone. I couldn't tell if he was a grown man. He still seemed so tall, too tall to be human. I froze, and just as I was about to flip on my flashlight, I heard a faint rustle of movement to my left. Well, we heard it. I could tell because he turned his head towards the noise. It was definitely no werewolf, that's for sure. But it definitely wasn't human. Because humans don't have horns, I could make out a face that stuck out a little too much and spiraling horns coming from both sides of its head as well as a long, thick beard. I gasped covering my mouth with my hands. Then a guttural growl erupted from my left. It sounded like storm. The beast outside the shack stiffened. He turned towards the canine, its misshapen hind legs shifting with each step. What erupted from his muzzle brought tears to my eyes. He shook his head, tilted his head back, and just screamed. It sounded like a terrified woman begging for her life and a fox mixed. It was a shrill shriek. Then our canine began barking. Storm, I finally called out. She charged him. I could hear her heavy steps. I twisted the knob and bolted outside. I turned back for a split second to see the dog up on her hind legs. She was attempting to grab his neck to no avail. He was too big. When she stands, our dog is about six foot two but judging by the fact that she still couldn't reach his neck, this creature must have been well over seven feet tall. I heard her whine and my heart ached. The beast had hurt her and I was next. I could hear his steps drawing near. The noise was too close for comfort and no matter the amount of adrenaline pumping through my veins, 
There was no outrunning this thing. He screamed again. It was so startling that I began to shake. I laughed at myself in my head, for I never imagined that I'd be so close to something like that. Everything seemed to happen slowly. It was agonizingly slow. As I tried to stand, I felt a sharp blow at my side. Something had hit me, hard. Then I heard those heavy footsteps pacing around me. I could hear him sniffing the air. I refused to look in its direction. His silhouette was terrifying enough. If I'd seen his features, I'd probably be doomed to trauma forever. But the thing just wouldn't have it. He reached his hand out towards me. Then I heard something. Faith, my sister called to me. My actual sister. Faith, are you okay? My brother followed close behind her. I could feel their hands trying to pull me up, but I swatted them away, screaming and crawling backwards. I didn't know if it was really them or more of the beast. You saw? They hushed me. It's okay now, we found Zeus. Is Storm with you? Alexis questioned me. I shook my head, and just as I was about to explain my concern for her well-being, Storm trotted towards us. Her nose and her chest were injured. I didn't realize the pain in my side until we began to walk home. I was on edge, struggling to breathe, cautious the entire way back. Once we arrived safely, I locked all the doors and windows, and I told my brother to head to bed. Then I nailed a blanket over my sister and I's window. I didn't want to see anything outside. I turned on the television and raised the volume as much as possible, as to not disturb the neighbors or anger our parents when they got home. Faith, my sister sighed. I know you're scared, but that's not necessary. I shook my head. You don't know what I saw, Alexis. I began to cry. You just, you didn't see what I saw. She explained I should lower my voice as to not scare my brother. Then she whispered something I'll never forget. You're wrong, Alexis, because I saw him too. You can take as long as you want to prepare. You can take everything with you to be ready for any situation, but it doesn't matter. The dangers of the forest are very real. Even if you don't believe these stories, thousands of people disappear in the woods every year. Sure, it's not always ghosts. It might not be monsters, but many of these people are never found. Do you want to know why? Well, just take a hike in those woods for a while. Maybe then you'll see. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget, to send me your scary stories from the mall at darknessprevails.org. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patron. They are Chase. Thank you so much for going above and beyond to support this channel. As always, to anyone listening, stay safe out there and stay creepy.